have this condition. A condition? It's my memory. Amnesia. No, 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 no. It's different from that. What? Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. And next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation. What's the last thing that you do remember? My wife. That's sweet. Dying. Lenny! I guess I've already told you about my condition. Oh, well, only every time I see you. You don't remember where you've been or what you've just done. No, I can't make new memories. It's like waking. It's like you just woke up. When you find this guy, what are you going to do? Kill him. Maybe I can help you find him. Are you sure you want this? My wife deserves vengeance. Do not trust her. She's going to use you to protect herself. I think someone's been trying to get me to kill the wrong guy. You can question everything. You can never know anything for sure. Teddy, don't believe his lies. You wander around playing detective. Well, maybe you should start investigating yourself. Who did this to you? You did. I want my life back! Why are you asking me? I can't remember what I've done. What? I have no short-term memory. Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. And next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation. <laughs> I don't even know if I've mentioned before. I've told you this before, haven't I? Indeed, he has. <laughs> this is uh, this is definitely one of the better one of the better uh, trailers we've seen. I agree. I was about to say, like, you know, I usually am the first one, like, to talk smack about, like, the trailer that we just watched, but that was good. It yeah. actually gives you a reasonable idea of what the movie might be like, even, which is astounding. <laughs> it gives you just enough to kind of tease you to want to come in and watch yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, how do you make a trailer for this movie? Well, that did a pretty good job of, of doing so. You know, it's like you're not going to get all of it, right? No problem, but... I had a friend that made a trailer. His name was Sammy Jenkins. And, uh, you know, he, he just kept making the trailer, couldn't remember how the trailer started. And, you know, <laughs> finally, finally his wife, uh, you know, she got upset. She thought he was faking the whole thing. And, uh, you know, she, she broke his laptop, actually, and, uh, and just kept breaking his laptop. And he just couldn't remember any of it. Remember Sammy Jenkins? I've, I've told you guys this before, right? Yeah, every week. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know how this movie escaped my consciousness, um, but like I've heard all about it. I've seen scenes from it. I don't think I've seen the entire thing, although I might have like a really long time ago. Um, that's that's not a bit. That's me saying I don't remember if I saw it. Or not. <laughs> um, this is movie night extravaganza, though. I'm Forrest Miller. Um, we were supposed to have one more person. We we're supposed to have Renee come on for this panel, but I guess she legitimately forgot. Like that's not uh, a joke, but she legitimately forgot which day we we, we set up for this. And, and it's and, ironic uh, since it was her suggestion as a as a series regular to do this movie. So it's doubly <laughs> sad, sad, sad. Um, but uh, yeah. So. <laughs> 
All right, I'm Forrest Miller. I'm joined by this illustrious panel right here, uh, Jay Andrew, Conditioner World. Is, is that conditioner is an air conditioner or? It's a rinse, lather, repeat. All right. Have we met before? <laughs> <laughs> um, but illustrator, artist, uh, Ben Burgess, uh, graphic designer, you know, all, all, all the things. Uh, you can find his work on the episode art. Um, also yeah. yeah no i was uh, just gonna the, say I, I was very happy with it so i'm glad you brought it up because that was like as soon as we decided on this episode that was the image in my head yeah um it's, it's really you know it's really well designed um i was i was thinking about how those tattoos though they could like really say anything you know what i mean like so like you could write like movie podcast like go live on uh go live on tuesday like go live on friday like you're, you're like twitching beyond you're movie night extravaganza maybe for our australian friends <laughs> thank you yeah um but also joined by conan neutron host of Protonic reversal conan neutron and the secret friends uh you know lead man leading man leader of the secret friends um and of course you know you're throwing a music festival coming up catterwall yeah half of the catterwall brain, brain trust uh, minneapolis 27th to the 31st AKA next week, 52 bands, four days. Yeah. It's a, there's a new, brand new fun problem to solve every single day. Yeah, I imagine. When they say labor of love, they really mean labor. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm stoked that our Australian friend suggested this movie. Uh, and I think it fits perfectly in the movie Noir Extravaganza Pantheon. And I, forgot how much I loved it. I mean, I, I it's, it's definitely something I academically remember how much I enjoyed it, but like, and also how many movies try to do a thing like this and just do it poorly. Uh, this, this movie does it very well. Maybe my favorite Chris Nolan movie. I mean, Dark Knight's pretty good, but this is, this is one of his best. And I, I saw it blind. I didn't know following, which is the movie that came before this. I went backwards and, and looked at that. But I, I actually probably saw the preview and was like, oh, that looks awesome. And I went and saw it because that's the way things work, you know, back in the Cretaceous period when, when this came out. And uh, I was like, holy crap, that's the best movie I've seen, like, in a very long time. And uh, still still slaps, gotta say. It's, uh, slaps. it's pretty amazing. It's his second um, feature. And, you know, yeah. I think, you know, the following he used like friends and stuff. He wasn't doing like a big following is good, but it feels very student film. It feels very uh, I mean, he had no budget. Right. And it's it's awesome for what it is. And you can tell like his directorial style is there, but like he it's not it doesn't hit the same at all. And I like it. But like, yeah, this is a fully fledged like. Whole ass film. Yeah. <laughs> and a unique one. And like one that that slots nicely in the noir genre and kind of started up a bunch of tropes that we think of now with modern noir also and again usually done poorly <laughs> and uh and a uh, great great performance by the principals uh also by the way uh joey pants used to be in everything around this time like that guy was like ubiquitous like and like yeah. he's still in a thing now and again like a, you know like but yeah it was like bad boys and and the matrix and yeah he was like ubiquitous, right? And I mean, Sopranos. You know, yeah, the yeah, Sopranos. I was gonna say his his great, uh, you know, turn is is Ralphie, which uh, yeah. I was watching him talk. I got distracted by a Sopranos rabbit hole, as always happens when any when I type in the word Sopranos into um, any search bar. 
But uh, I was hearing him talk about um, how he kind of made Ralphie into this character. Like, I hadn't really thought about this, but it's kind of like the most despicable human being ever. But you kind of That's like the worst. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but there's like, something about him yeah. that, like, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy, though. You're kind of rooting for him not to be such a jerk, right? But, like, yeah, he's the worst. He's, yeah. He is the worst. Yeah. There's yeah, that, yeah. Uh, so what if you betrayed all the humans in, in uh, The Matrix, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's the there's the Socialist Sopranos memes account, and uh, they, they like, um, they routinely reuse the uh, uh, – um, the, the scene where Ralphie's about to fucking die in, in The Sopranos, and he's like, he's like, you did it. You killed that fucking horse. You cooked that horse alive. And he's like, no, I did not. But so what? And <laughs> I've seen that template used so much. And it works good, perfectly for this too. Because he's like, he's like, you animal. You, you, you killed and raped his wife. And he's like, no, I did not. But so what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, sorry that that was all that was on my intro instead of my. That meant, I didn't mean that to be the thesis statement for what I thought about the film, but uh, yeah, I got a lot going on. I'm feeling better than I did last episode, so that's good. And uh, I think that um, this is gonna be a good conversation. Feeling good, just you know, we're gonna we're gonna see how the game goes, folks. Up, <laughs> oh, I see how the game's going. Oh, yeah, what up? What up, buddy? <laughs> Hedge cat returneth. <laughs> But of course, I must also introduce Christina Oaks. Uh, you know, she's waited long enough for her introduction. I'm Christina on Twitch. She has a Patreon. Also, I'm Christina with you know, two M's. Uh, yes. Just in case. There's you're... a reason why my name is Adrian Pimento right now. Why Why is your name Adrian? I know, I know the reference. I know it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but why? There's an why? episode that pays tribute to this brilliant film where he ends up having the same condition. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's I, writing I remember, stuff. He even this was, like, right before the pandemic, too. It's, like, 2020 or whatever. 2019, he's, like, buy toilet paper. And uh, uh, Andy Samper's character was like, why on earth would you need to write, remember to get toilet paper for it? I'm like, <laughs> well, COVID. <laughs> and now we're in a supply chain and crisis, so yay. And he caused it by, you know, repeatedly buying toilet paper. <laughs> It was a hoarder like that first episode of Kirby Enthusiasm this season. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, everybody, broadcast news. Anybody? <laughs> Did the watches that show? It was, anyway. not, it was, no, yeah, no, I saw that. I saw the episode. It was um, Mr. Albert Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. yeah. Brooks. <laughs> it was his, uh, his on, on screen funeral for himself. That... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm sneezing while you're uh, wanting an answer. Uh... Thought it best if I mute. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't I don't know how this movie like I, I might have I think I saw it when I was like really young, or at least I, I I asked my mom about it. She's like, no, we saw that when it first came out, but like I don't I have no memory of it. Um you know, I, ironically, I have no memory of it, I guess. Yeah, but I know yeah. I missed it. <laughs> That's ironic. I really did want to catch it in the theaters, but I missed it. Um but I did get to see, uh, uh, you know, it right after it came out on video. And then I saw the follow-up Insomnia, which I, is also pretty good. <laughs> I, oh, nobody's, nobody has any Insomnia thoughts? I, I like I Insomnia. Know. It's good. I mean, I don't like the, 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 you know, the actual concept of Insomnia and having it, but I like the movie Insomnia. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We're just talking about the movie in Al Pacino. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's Pacino, a good, right? it's a, yeah, it's a lesser-known Pacino vehicle, you know. Yeah, and Robin Williams. And Robin Williams as a great against type role. I've never seen it. It's based on a foreign film. 
right? If I remember correctly, I don't think I've ever seen the original. Um, but yeah, I, I actually watched that recently. I was like, oh, still good. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's the story about a movie Andy brought up that is not this movie, but yeah, well, it's around the same time. So yeah, exactly. this movie is the process of making this movie, right? It's based on, and I have a clip that I'm that I'm queuing up, but uh, it's based on the story that Christopher Nolan's brother um, came up with and told him about in a car on a road trip and short story. Uh, like a short story, yeah. And I guess the short story ended up coming out after the movie came out, which is interesting. But um, they wrote the script together, and uh, I don't know. It kind of I, I think that the idea of like a brother collaboration of just you know. Like you're just kind of driving in the car with your brother. I guess his brother is six years younger than he is. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, driving in the car with his younger brother on a road trip. And he's like, I have this idea. And it, it's it's kind of fascinating that it becomes their, you know, his first like big budget movie. It's kind of a wild concept for that, too. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Chris, how good is your memory? It gets worse as I get older, which I've become aware of. Uh, which is kind of frustrating. Um, it's pretty good. I have a pretty good visual memory. Um, but I have a tendency to remember, you know, if I see a film and I remember it six months later, I tend to remember it reversed, as in left to right of, of the frame, which is a sort of peculiarity I've noticed in my memory, which is kind of weird. Um, I, I'm very interested in the process of memory and the way it can be distorted and all the rest. And, and I know that Guy, the same as as me, in going through making the film, you go. Through, you, we went through an, an intense process of questioning um, our own memories and the, and the way it works. And I sort of came out the other side very much less confident of, of the way my memory worked than before. And then the script and, and Leonard's systems and, and the way the, the plot points come together relating to memory, they are just extrapolations of the way I try and help my short-term memory myself you know, I write phone numbers in my hand and I uh, I take notes and, you know, I have souvenirs of things and I use photography and, and all these different aids to kind of, uh, you know, help me live life. And, and once you start identifying them, um, you start to realize that, that your process of memory is not as good as you, you hoped. And it's much more interpretive than you realized. And one of the things we were trying to do in the film, it, it, by putting people as firmly as possible into Leonard's head, we were really... Uh, trying to to make the audience question their own process of memory a little bit the way we did while we were making the film it's a movie about an investigator who doesn't know anything that's a pretty interesting idea yeah I, well i thought so when my brother told it to me uh, <laughs> it was uh, based on a, a short story that my brother jonah was writing uh, that's just been published in esquire magazine and he told it to me about uh, three years ago while we were driving from chicago to los angeles he said, I'm working on the story and it's about um, this guy with this condition, you know, he, he can't make new memories and he's uh, looking for revenge. He's looking for the guy who killed his wife. Um, and I just thought it was such a fantastic idea, such a way into the, the film noir genre, a way to kind of reassess some of the, the over familiar tropes really. And, um, you know, I, I said to him, well, can I take it and write a screenplay from it while you work on your story, um, you know, and get it the way you want. And uh, he said, yes which was lucky because I think it actually took him as long to finish writing the story as it did for us to finish making the film. <laughs> but he finished it in the end and it, and it turned out great, but it's, it's very different from the, it's, the It film. is very different, but yeah. we talked before about this a little bit and I think there's a similar sense of desperation in both 
the script or the movie, I guess, and in his story too. Yeah, I think there's a similar sense of desperation. I think there's a, I think the story represents kind of the the point of origin, kind of the backstory uh, for the film in a way. Um, and the other thing that, that Jonah and I collaborated on that, that he really um, created was the the website for the film, which is at otnamem.com, which is memento spelled backwards. And he put this website together that, that it doesn't really give any information about the film particularly, but it creates a narrative link between the world of his story and, and the world of the finished film, which I think is kind of interesting. I kind of sort of remember that. I remember, I, I, and that might be why I knew to see the movie because there was pretty much that and Blair Witch Project, which had a really good website uh, back when people didn't know if it was for real or not, which in retrospect is very obvious, but you know, people wanted to believe. And, and, and don't forget uh, the Matrix website. Like that was an amazing, it was like full of short yeah, stories of comics. Yeah, like, yeah, it, that one was good too. Yeah. yeah. Like it used to be, and it used to be, first of all, the, the idea, I mean, I think a lot of people are surprised that this show has a website, right? Like nobody has a website anymore, but it's like, hey, it's great to have a thing. <laughs> nobody, no one has a website anymore. No one has a website anymore. <laughs> no one wants to be a webmaster. They just want to create the content. Uh, but like the way I look at it, the way I've always looked at it, it is if all these platforms, you know, YouTube, Twitch, et cetera, et cetera, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, any of these things, if it goes away, like there should still be a presence for the thing that is being created. So that's why I should always have like a, always have a website. And that's kind of an old school mentality, I guess now, but uh, I, I, I stand by it. And, and uh, anyway, but it used to be that like with movies, like they would do something really unorthodox. People would go to websites. People wouldn't just open Facebook.com and Twitter.com and doom scroll the day away. They would actually be like, oh man, did you see, you know, did you see this crazy thing? Like, I don't know what it is, but it's cool. You know, and then people, like, there was this, um, oh God, what was it? What was it? There was like a, there, there was a bunch of like sites that were like along the lines of, um, like mystery boxes almost. Like you didn't know what they were or who made them or for what purpose. And like, it was just, I don't know, it was like kind of a, I guess it's a more fun time for the internet, frankly. Sorry, I'm getting all nostalgic now. That was <laughs> awful. No, 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 it's universally terrible with like rare exception. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cause like River, like Homestar Runner, like, like you know, whenever yeah. they drop something new on there, that was like a big deal or, or, well, uh, you know, I, I don't Flash, know. I'm Flash, 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 <laughs> HTML site. Fantastic. This is, oh, man, that's 2000 <laughs> for sure. Oh man, Flash! Didn't they finally it like? Doesn't seem like these go anywhere, but this is the homepage for it. Yeah, I just remember there being a lot of like mysterious looking imagery and stuff, and you were like, "What? What is this?" And like they had, I remember they had like the Polaroids. They had a bunch of the Polaroids, and you and with no context, you're like, "What is this?" But that's the kind of thing that would like, like now I feel like everything, even with previews, right? I feel like. Most previews just tell you exactly what's going to happen in the movie and the the entire plot. Like it's, they they kind of have a reason for that because like people uh, didn't like you know the problem is is that the, that that there's stupid people out there who who don't like to not know what they're going to go see. Right. And like like that's well terrible. prices keep rising and rising. <laughs> but but off, there used uh, to be, yeah it used to be that there there could be some mystery to it and like that was like baked in as part of like the fun of the experience and again. The, the classic example and probably the best use of this and maybe the nadir of the form is the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Which is actually when people think about the Blair Witch Project, they only think about the film and like how it basically, uh, you know, how it's great in a genre and that it inspired a bunch of people with shaky cameras, basically, which is true. There's nothing about that that's untrue. 
but it was a lot more than that. And like the fact that it was a genuine phenomenon along the lines of like, remember a couple of years ago where people couldn't figure out if the dress was yellow or, or, or purple or yeah. whatever. Like it was like that level all of like, people, white and blue and black. Yeah, exactly. Like, Oh no, it's, and then people would have arguments about, it. and like, Let's it was not like go down level. this rabbit hole. It's I know. Blue. I don't want to, it was blue it's and black. Go. It just depends. <laughs> like, I, I remember when it happened, I was like, Oh, it's white and gold. But then like a few hours later, like, why is it, why is it black and blue now? Well, then I, then I, then I fucking sobered up and I was like, you know what? This dress, this dress is, it's black ugly. and blue now. I don't, you know. It's an ugly dress. <laughs> yeah, this dress is ugly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I also think that it's notable because uh, the story of the unreliable narrator, I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is Rashomon, right? Which, which is sort of like I embody that to a T. And that's been, there's been many movies that try to do a Rashomon, but this was done in a very unique way because it is a detective story with a detective that like doesn't know anything. Like as, as the, as the guy says, basically he has to rely on tattoos, tattoos and, and like Polaroids. Yeah. I, yeah. I also and, like, like the, I like the intrinsic paranoia that he's like, you know, somebody might write a note that you either can't understand or they're trying to actively sabotage you. And you have to make sure that like yeah. the notes that like your notes are actually your notes. And I was like, Holy shit! Like he he carries that paranoia into this loss of memory, right? Like this natural yeah. paranoia. That's like, yo, someone might. Cause I wouldn't think that, right? Like because I don't have anyone trying to actively sabotage me. If I was in that situation, I would be like, oh, I'd assume I wrote that note. Like it's my handwriting. But like right. to have someone be like, you know what? Someone could be right, like slipping you notes, and you have to be careful. And then he writes like, you know, don't trust his lies, and like, you know, like yeah. all of these things on these notes. That uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a fascinating um. Like it's it's a film dripping with paranoia, but, but like while the guy is not sure, I mean, as an audience, we're more and more sure what he's paranoid about, and we're more and more it's confirmed that we should be, uh, you know, like suspicious of of these characters. But like for him to be someone that doesn't know um what's going on yet, he's still paranoid and and still dripping yeah. with with paranoia and suspicion and uh you know sabotage, which is for me what qualifies this as like just straight up noir, not even neo-noir like and like again i don't want to get into the specifics of that but like for me it's that level of ambiguity about just like not only does a guy not know he can trust he doesn't even know if he can trust himself and, and the information and it turns, that out, he can. And it turns <laughs> out he really can't exactly and that's and that's crazy and like the the darkness you know that we talked about uh with, with eileen on double indemnity and and like just that like you know, the things that qualify things as noir, like, you know, the failure of systems, or whatever. In this case, it's like there's failures of system, but like there's failures of the guy's own persona and, and his own being, which which is which is what makes this incredibly unique and interesting for the, the history of noir, because it's nobody had done that. You know, people have done like, again, Kurosawa, maybe you've heard of him. Like, you know, people have done like, you know, the unreliable narrator business, but like not like this not like a detective story not like in a dark world where people have you know suspect motivations and uh you know the the protagonist is trying to achieve a goal but then it turns out that maybe the goal isn't what you thought it was that's what makes it a great film and and you know i i think that this movie has direct connections to double indemnity i mean you know um mm -hmm. Uh, Christopher Nolan claims it was kind of accidental, but he's seen Double Indemnity so many times that he's like, oh, of course, you know, that I kind of took the plot from there, but like I didn't consciously do it. I mean, um, but like he's an insurance claims adjuster, you know what I mean? Like, or an insurance uh, investigator, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, it directly takes you to 
double indemnity and this kind of um, pseudo detective investigative mindset that he has where he's like, well, you know, I just follow facts. And like, what does the cop do? They just kind of follow facts. And I mean, you know, not as <laughs> thoroughly as you no, know, any of yeah, us. And like, also arbitrarily kill black people, but hey. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, oh, which I he kind of, which he does in this movie too. Maybe like he, he kicks open that door and uh, that guy, there's just some random black guy that just gets hit by the door and falls back. Yeah. Like, He's uh he's going he's gone full cop and he's just like sorry he doesn't even check on the guy. Yeah. <laughs> he just keeps running I, to the I next sent room. the meme to the group chat, uh, the movie night one, uh, from that episode. It's called Pumamento. Yeah, I remember seeing. I remember seeing it after you, <laughs> after you, after you mentioned it. I just completely for. I think it's because I hadn't seen, uh, you know, Memento at least in a long enough time that it was. That's uh, he's my favorite like side 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 like character like reoccurring character on Brooklyn Nine Nine because. Jason is just so chaotic. I just, I, I have to, I just automatically think of Rafi from the league uh, every time I see him because it's, it's crazy that like, that's one of his first roles, but it's, he's so insane at it. Like that, like it's, I, I had a hard time thinking of him as anything other than that dude for the longest time. Yeah. And, and he seems like a genuine nice dude. And he's like, Oh, I don't do drugs. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like kind yeah. of more, he's calm sweetheart. Like, but then in that show, he's just so good at being a fucking weirdo scumbag. <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely well and and uh uh that show he's on is good too it's it's you know they don't need my plug but it's it's good it's not my like i don't as as andy well knows i don't really like engaging with films that aren't that are purposely i know we're going to be bad and that's like that show's whole deal but they do a great job of it and it's, it's great to hear them like break down some like miami connection because they just are very gleeful at it and he's he's awesome and like is that the one with Paul Shear? Wholesome? Yeah, uh, Paul Shear. Um, and, He's uh, uh, can... Paul Shear and, and his wife are my, um, I mean, we're not really friends anymore, but like one of my closest high school friends, those, like they were his cousins, I guess. Nice. Uh, yeah. So uh, June, Diane, Raphael. How did this get made? Who did, how did this get made? Is yeah. The, uh, so she was, she was my, my, uh, my like high school friends, like first cousin or something. So I would, yeah. every time I would watch the league, I'd hit him up and be like, oh my God, it's your, it's your, uh, it's your cousin again. <laughs> Um, but I, I wanted to play this. Uh, this is Guillermo del Toro, uh, you know, interviewing Christopher Nolan. Um, there's a there's an interview where he introduces Memento and talks about it for like you know 35 minutes. It's really interesting. But obviously, this is just a three minute clip. This is about the unreliable narrator uh, trope, or you know, work in this. As great as emotionally, the movies are real, and and this is, uh, however, they are emotionally real in works of genre. Like I always say, there will always be something in me that will always be pulp. Mm -hmm. And there's something, I mean, the movie works, but it, it doesn't pretend to be a reality. It doesn't try, it tries to be truthful with the emotions, yes. but he is the best uh, tattooing insurance agent <laughs> I've ever met. He's <laughs> truly a fabulous tattoo artist. And you can, but the reality is, I think that there is an, uh, a tone, mm. a tone wisdom in finding people like Joey Pants and, and, and putting him in there because he himself is a big, huge question mark about his integrity. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, um, and it works. I wanted to ask you about this. It works deeply in the, in the noir genre mm. because uh, one of the things is unreliability. Yes. And because of his disease, everything is unreliable in the movie. Well, certainly the unreliable narrator, particularly in, in noir, I think is something I'm fascinated by. And finding a, a character, uh, creating a character who uh, 
is by definition unreliable, but is fooling himself that he's not. And so you're, you're kind of peeling him away through the, through the film. It was really fascinating to me. And one of the, the things I enjoyed shooting the most was the, there's a moment where he's in Kerry Moss's house and he's got his set of files with the big rubber band around him. Very much like that rubber band. It's a nice thick one they found in the prop department. He sort of pulls it off and he's got all these files. And, and what we did with the camera is we just gradually uh, changed the elevation of it to reflect a shift in point of view. And it's the one time in the film where you really sort of see him from outside and you see her from, from oh, you see him from her point of view. Mm -hmm. And he's just this self-dusional guy. He's, he's a guy who can't possibly perform this investigation, who can't possibly uh, succeed. And there's something, I think there's a lot of pathos in that. And I, I enjoyed that moment and, and shifting that that point of view there. And, but, but the revelations, I mean, everything is, you talk about a very literary resource that Nabokov uses beautifully and Noir uses beautifully, which is the unreliable narrator. But if you go, you pull back a little bit, actually that central character is unreliable, but the narrator, which in this case would be you, has to be incredibly reliable. The movie mm. is uh, uh, constructed in such a way that it, it, you don't find the usual uh, wait a moment yeah, uh, moments you couldn't after cheat. the moment. You cannot cheat. No, you couldn't cheat. When, when you take a structure like this, and Inception is very much the same, when you're demanding of the audience that they engage with this uh, game in a way, with this puzzle, uh, it's very important that you not cheat. And I think it's also very important that you provide um, answers. And there are plenty of ambiguities in the film, but the ambiguities themselves are answers, I suppose, is the way I put it best, that it's very clear to the audience the things that they, they can't know, in a sense. Um, and, and I think that is an important part of it, is the, uh, the, the narrator is indeed unreliable, but you have to feel there's an authority behind the film that, that knows what's going on. And indeed, you know, I have a very precise interpretation of everything in the film that was constructed according to that. When we first went to film festivals with it, uh, I would happily explain that. And, and that Venice, you know, my, my brother came up to me afterwards and he said, you can't do that. <laughs> and I said, really, why not? And he said, he made the point. He said, you, you've made a film where it's ambiguous at the end specifically because you're in the point of view, you're in the head of a guy who can't know the truth. And so the audience doesn't know the truth at the end. And if you tell people what, as the creator, that, that truth is, you're actually violating the terms of the story. Uh, and we'll make much more money if you don't tell people. So <laughs> combination of both those things. I think he was right. I feel brother envy right now. <laughs> I like that these two genius auteurs basically said the same crap that I did. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're on the same page here. Why, no, why like play the video events. when you can just get Conan's opinion? I, I'm one dude. I took two dudes at that conversation. <laughs> I I, uh, I kind of find it fascinating. He tells a story more than once in interviews that I've seen um, where he says that he has a precise interpretation of how it ends. And that one time he kind of went on stage and was like, oh, this is how I think it ends. Um, and then his brother's like, no, like you don't, don't why, don't say why that. would you do that? Why would yeah, you stop, like, stop gonna... saying that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing like on your deathbed and like, everybody's like, what's your final words? Memento meant <laughs> yeah. he knew what was going on the entire time. He it was, was faking it. Mints the entire time. Oh. His last words, John G. <laughs> <laughs> Not Kenny <Yeah>. G. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but but like I get it, you know, it's 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 kind of interesting to consider because I, I feel like Memento's uh, stature has grown over the years. But when it came out, a lot of people were like, I don't get it. I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. 
and also you don't have to get it to enjoy it too you don't have to understand it. if you want to try to figure it out you basically have to watch it a couple of times first time you watch it it's not something that telegraphs the ending at all like you're like oh oh wow unless you're like i don't know maybe, maybe some people did great good for you your award is in the mail so is the check but like ultimately when it comes down to it like a, a lot of people were like you know i don't understand this this is cool but i don't understand it and i like when the filmmaker challenges the audience to kind of step it up yep i mean i don't i don't totally necessarily understand it in the sense of like have a have a um a firm grasp on what i think the actual you know uh resolution is because you know you, you can kind of believe what um you know teddy or like john g kind of ends up telling him which you know that you know he's been killing these guys all along and then he kind of put himself into this uh guardian knot of of you know different um murders and like you can you can make that case to yourself i think like you can say like oh well like obviously this guy has to live for the rest of whatever amount of time it is and and why not just keep solving these mysteries over and over again but at the same time i think you can make a case that that guy was fucking with him and that maybe he actually, you know, maybe his, his wife really was murdered by him or like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a lot of different uh, possible. And we'll never know. Yeah. That's the thing is we'll never know. And that's kind of what makes it noir. Right. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, they, they also alluded that she could actually be alive. Um, they, they, they actually alluded. Oh, know, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like this movie also could be that that like he is aware that he has deluded himself into thinking he has this condition. Um. Because if he doesn't remember anything before the accident, then why would he know that he has this condition immediately? Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, Ontario Great Amnesia, like th th there is the possibility to create some new memories. It's not like a full-on, you know, Hollywood like complete absence, but it's 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 more of a as an amnesiac in the traditional sense will be able to remember certain things as like echoes or whatever that, that can like that American can turn to a flame sometimes in that same way. Again, the actual concept of it, which is based on a short story. I think it's called Memento Mori, right? If I remember correctly, it's based on that short story. I think they even get into that in the short story. It's been like a long time. Let's put it that way. But yeah, I mean, but I take the point, you know, like, you know, we, we don't, what do we know? Everything's an unreliable narrator in this movie. This movie should be called the unreliable narrator. Well, the, the idea that she was still alive, I think that they allude to is that she was still alive and then she had diabetes and he was yeah. the actual Sammy Jenkins. I don't think that anyone yeah. alluded to the fact that she might still be alive at the time of this movie. Well, I but, mean, she could be in a coma still. Maybe. You know, I don't know. Just I, just, like, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, did you watch uh, another movie where somebody got overdosed with uh, uh, um, insulin like I did uh, twice this past year? God, he's putting rank on you. Um, but yeah, no, the, uh, there, there's a movie based on a true story. That, that's a very specific genre, Andy. Yes. How, how would, <laughs> would Forrest go to watch movie. This is the insulin movie extravaganza podcast. Yeah, is, is there like a letterbox list of these or something? Somewhere? Um, like, who, you know, I'm going to make it after this podcast. Okay, fair enough. Fair. All right. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are a lot of different possibilities and like it's a lot like the sopranos in that way right like it yeah. never it doesn't resolve in a way that you know everyone everyone has to argue about it for the end of till the end of eternity that's the only thing that anyone can really take out of this is that they don't know for sure uh what the answer is 
but I love the idea that and I don't want to dominate the conversation. Christina, I'd love to hear from you. I mean, sorry, Adrian Pimento, I mean. Uh, uh. But, but uh, Paul Shearer is fucking hilarious, actually. Uh, also, I like the idea of, like, you know, that the whole time he's looking for justice and catharsis. The justice is ancillary to the catharsis. So what he gets to do is get to relive the catharsis over and over again, which isn't that what being online is in the year 2022. <laughs> yeah. And then moments of extreme frustration where you're like, why am I even doing this? And then yes. I have this condition. <laughs> I have to be extremely online all the time. every day. <laughs> Apparently I see your post. Meme, meme. <laughs> it's, it's me. It's meme mento. You just keep repo reposting the same memes that you posted like a year before. Yeah, it's a good bit. Yeah, but I want to talk about how influential this movie is because a lot of people don't understand how influential this movie is. Because I mean, there's a whole episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine based on like yeah. the concept, the whole plot. I mean, I posted a meme in the group chat about the writing on the letters, writing on the the notes on this body or whatever. But like, you know, you think of like unreliable narrators, like you also think about like David Lynch and like his movies, obviously, there's some inspiration from there, possibly for Christopher Nolan. Um, I always think about like Legion. Yeah, Legion's a great unreliable narrator. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, the concept of memory, like how you can you can rewrite your own memories. You can change things about your memories. You know, you can edit, you can change the color of the curtains in this one, like, memory that you have in your living room or whatnot. Like, there's, yeah. like, you're constantly having to, like, maybe rewrite things, add things, that it, it gets to the point where you're thinking to yourself, are you even, like, is it real? Yeah. Which yeah, I, I love about that. <laughs> I, I, and I think that, you know, I mean, unreliable unreliable narrators are obviously all throughout noir but like you kind of have to have some kind of uh like narrative structure on who's telling the story right like i think about a movie like uh doa where you know he he has got he gets poisoned and he has to like you know he's trying to give the story of how he got poisoned and who he thinks did it and like before he dies you know inevitably at the end of the movie or like you know even like sunset boulevard where you know you're kind of getting a voice from beyond the grave telling you the story of what happened like yeah there's me i'm dead yeah <laughs> this movie this movie kind of does the exact opposite right like his notes kind of take him through uh you know what you think might have happened but like or you know think like important facts about it but as time goes on you kind of understand less stuff and he, get, he gets kind of taken on all these different side quests like the whole thing with dodd her you know um her right. like boyfriend and or whatever drug dealer guy that you know callum was, callum keith rennie i think is the, is the actor's name right he was in that uh well first of all Battlestar galactica we'll start with that uh, lots of other things as well but he was in one of the better hey the world's about to end movies which is one of the lesser known world's about to end movies and this would be a good time to mention the name of that movie if i could remember it but uh it's really <laughs> while good you, while you're doing that i could also vamp a little for you uh Please. because he was also in due south uh whenever production went back to canada exclusively um he replaced the american actor uh, hilariously, who looks nothing like him. And the only person who seemed to notice was the star, that it, it was a different person, uh, including his own sister, the, the character's own sister. It, it was an absolute brilliant bit. Um, if you get a chance, uh, watch it, because uh, he can do comedy quite well, too, which, you know, you don't think about that when you watch uh, X-Files, which he's also been on, 
or, or uh, Battlestar Galactica or any of the uh, weird movies he's been in because he's yeah. done lots of. Uh, he's like very, a, he's very much a that guy. He's a that guy actor. Yeah, but he's like a, he's like a kind of a character actor in the sense of like he's kind of just a tough guy. Like I don't think you could see that guy necessarily and think like, oh, that guy is going to be a sweetheart in this movie or something. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of a, a very fierce looking uh, guy. Uh, last night is the name of it. Uh, Don McKellar, uh, Sandra Oh is the lead. I actually forgot about yeah. that. Um, and, uh, Sarah, Sarah Polly's in it. it. It's really good. Uh, actually David Cronenberg's in it, like as an actor, uh, as well. It's, it takes place in Toronto and it's great because it's sort of like, Oh, it's, it's, it's like the, the world, the world's about the end. It's irrevocable, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, Colin Keith Rennie's character decides he just wants to have as much sex as possible of varying types and varieties and has like a room of all the, all the things he wants. It's really like disturbing and hilarious. Like Are you describing the plot of 365 days? A lot darker than that, but yes. Uh, but, but, and but probably he's better acting. Yeah, definitely better acting. Yeah. But, la plot. but la last night, uh, and, and that's in, uh, Don McKellar. That that's a really good movie. It came out like '96 or something like that. I think like '98. I was I was close. I was uh, saw that one kind of randomly, and I was like, "Wow, that was." Dark. And that was. I feel like there's been a lot of like, "Hey, the world's about to end" movies lately. Yeah. Uh, and and they were like, really peaked in the mid like 2000s to early 2010s. Yeah. But but that one's really good. Uh, I I recommend that one. That one's that one's very interesting. Not highest budget, but I mean, of course, look. If we're talking about end of the world movies, which I guess we are, sorry, uh, until the end of the world by Vim Benders is like gotta be like we should we should here. save this part of the conversation for the after party. We should we should, and, but and like but yeah. But oh, the point, but my point of fact is that uh, um, that guy is a really good actor, Callum Keith Rennie, uh, but a very much a character actor, and he does a good character actor representation here. I randomly thought of the movie Fifty First Dates. <laughs> and we're, and we're talking about films when it comes to memory. I, yeah, I guess that would qualify. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like the one with, uh, uh, with, with uh, Samuel Jackson in a kilt and a pair of golf clothes beating people up. 51st Dates? That's, I don't know. I yeah, yeah. 51st Dates. That's the drug game. Sandler invented. and Drew Barrymore. Right? No, no. The one with Samuel Jackson and um, that Scottish guy uh, who was, was in uh, Train Spotting. We're, yeah, we're, state. we're definitely we're in after party we're, territory. We're, we're in after party territory now. <laughs> yeah. I want to bring us back to talking about Memento. Um, yeah, I, I I think that uh, I want like going back to talk about kind of the unreliable narrator side of it um, and kind of where that fits into the noir universe. I mean, you know, Double Indemnity is kind of a, a the classic sure. one in that case because he's kind of just you know sweating it out for that you know fucking drips of sweat. You know, streaming down his face, telling yeah, uh, like, telling Keith like, yeah, the the whole story of what happened and and outsmarting him. And I feel like this movie is very connected to that. Um, that kind of like, oh well, I'm gonna outsmart myself in this case, and you know, create a, a mystery that can never be solved by me. In the same way, I think that in Double Indemnity, he's like, you know, I'm gonna create a mystery that can never be solved by Edward G. Robinson. Um, so I, yeah, I. I Felt that connection definitely. <laughs> and he's gonna make a mystery that can't be solved by Nathan Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> About you know colored shirts and, and where did my smoking jacket go? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I just I I think that um, this fits into that tradition. And in talking about 
who inspired Christopher Nolan and and stuff. Um, apparently, Tarantino, uh, you know, really? kind of, yeah. Yeah, I can um, see it. All right. Yeah, this is where they talk about where this kind of fits into the larger neo-noir universe, I guess. The beauty about the movie, and it's very, it's frankly very rare of movies of this time. There was a um, kind of revival of uh, neo-noir, you may call it, mm. if you want, right at the end of the 90s, yeah. all the way to the middle of the uh, 2000s. And, and most of them, frankly, for me, feel, first of all, they age very rapidly mm. and they feel fake. They feel uh, imposed and they don't feel done with any other attitude than postmodern uh, so yeah. that this one is genuine. Well, I, th I think that's because the, I, I think the movement you talk about stemmed very much from Tarantino and his, his work in the 90s. And certainly for me, uh, I found his work very exciting and it pushed me to read uh, a lot of the, the source material, starting with Elmore Leonard and then reading the books of you know, James Elroy and, and Jim Thompson further back. And I, I spent years reading a lot of crime fiction. And I think that if Memento holds up a little better than some of the, the other neo-noir of the time, it's probably because I did actually go to the books rather than the movies, mm -hmm. because there's a limit to, um, well, particularly when Tarantino's work is already ironic and already, mm -hmm. you know, retro in that A sense. reflection of it. Yeah, so then you're reflecting reflection if, you, if you're looking at the movie sensibility. But um, I think he certainly inspired me to look into the, uh, the literary origins of, of the genre. And once you engage with uh, the books of the time, you know, I think Jim Thompson is the guy I keep coming back to as, as the strongest, uh, putting together he's a uh, tough guy he's very tough yeah. very tough and this film's nowhere near as tough as his except in the extremity of, of the guy's situation um but it's this idea of character defined through action it's this this idea that you put uh, a group of usually a triangle of, of people together and you see what they all do to each other and at the end of the story you try and figure out who was good and who was bad and who was evil and who was okay james m kane did you did you go to him because he was he's the expert at insurance yeah, Scamming. very much. Well, yeah. insurance is just yeah, double indemnity as well. You know, that's all. Uh, we definitely were, were pulling out the touchstones or the tropes of uh, of the, the books and movies of, of that. But movie. the characters are very much out of a noir. I mean, mm. literally. Oh yeah. Can, she is out of a noir. He is out of a noir. Yeah. Everybody. Totally. And and the the idea is, you know, you you sit there as a as a young filmmaker without much to tell about your own life. And so for me, film noir became a very interesting way of extrapolating from your own experience and, and elevating it in a sense to the level of melodrama, if you like. Mm -hmm. So the femme fatale, you know, reflecting the neurosis, your own relationships or, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. And in becoming melodrama, which is, I mean, it's too pejorative a term really, but, but it is melodrama. It's, it's heightened reality. Yes. I mean, it's like what you were talking about earlier. It's not meant to be naturalistic. It's meant to be truthful within the, the terms of that genre and that makes it more universal that means more people can connect with it one of the things that goes largely unrecognized because it's so good is the dialogue in the movie i mean it really is uh, stupefying for me i whenever i watch it I, I the dialogue is phenomenal the rhythm of it is fantastic is incredibly smart but it doesn't feel like repartee in a movie mm. you know it doesn't feel uh, smart in a postmodern way it's just smart because the characters are incredibly challenging. Well, I found, I mean, I'm, I'm not the writer of the family. My brother is. And when I started writing screenplays, I tried writing good dialogue. And, and it never worked. It was horrible to, to look at and, and sounded incredibly forced. And I've never been comfortable with, I couldn't write a novel because I've never been comfortable with an authorial voice or the tone of what that would be. But what I found in the screenplay form is that 
if you then went back and you just took out all the bits you thought were good, what you were left with was actually much more useful in terms of communicating, you know, and, and just trying to write from the point of view of what are these, what are these people feeling? What do they need to express in the moment? So I more and more, I just try and strip everything out that isn't essential. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I like that it doesn't feel postmodern, and and I think uh, you know that, GDT that, is is 100% right about that. Um, GDT. That, <laughs> I, I get annoyed sometimes, even with uh, I mean I love the Coen Brothers and their style of uh, you know neo noir, but like everything in those movies is so fucking postmodern. And, there's a sheen of it, no matter. Yeah, like and yeah. that's and we talked about this with. This with uh, noted Code Brothers scholar Joseph McBride uh, on a previous episode, but like they're very good at it. It's very entertaining, but the, it is it's present, insane. and that's absent here for sure. While while still kind of feeling in in these familiar noir tropes, like it, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Like I think you're right that this isn't really neo noir the way that we think about it because you know it, it pulls for those same threads, but it doesn't. Um, it feels like its own thing. Like it feels like it's in its own lane. Like it's not kind of just, uh, you know, it's not trying to replicate something that's already been, it just is. And, you know, I guess that's easy to do when you're, uh, you don't remember anything that's been before you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but well, well, and I want to get everyone a chance to talk about that, but I also have, uh, well, three words or two and a half words, Carrie and Moss. I have a I have a thing from uh, I mean I don't want to play a clip back to back as, as fast but I, I have a her talking about her role in this uh, for later I on. mean I think she's a badass and like she was also another one that was like ubiquitous around this time right like she was like in everything like same thing as Joey Pants where it's like like she was just like all and for good reason I mean she's a badass right but like yeah, uh, yeah like it's and, and it's great that she was able to do that before she was uh, uh, and I hate this about Hollywood like uh actresses tend to age out of getting roles um yeah. which which unfortunately uh you know she's at that point now um she was fantastic in the new matrix yeah. movie she, everyone becomes the invisible girl <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean say, say what you will about <laughs> the new matrix never movie. get never He's really good. age out nope. and she's also great in the uh the marvel netflix shows which are not great but oh you know. oh daredevil's coming back yes but you didn't you didn't wait hold on okay okay, okay. Uh, I, after party stuff, one. Iron Fist, not party. great, but Luke Cage, Jessica yeah, yeah, yeah. Jones, Daredevil, come on. This is complete. Uh, yeah. But 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 her but the the point of fact is yeah her representation of uh was it uh, uh Jenny uh was it Jenny Hogworth, Mar Mar Marvel scholar. What what was her character's name? Christina, do you remember? Oh God. No. It was great. Her character was was awesome in that, and it's, it's also like I always like seeing actresses that are not just like ingenue age that can act and and getting yeah. work and like getting good roles. I Hollywood seems that. to Hollywood seems to take uh, actresses when they're young and then they age out of being in movies and then they bring them back a lot of times when they're in their like you know sixties yeah. uh, or seventies. Helen Mirren gets a chance. And, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like sexual awakenings. And, as long as they don't go like mentally crazy like uh, poor Shelley Duvall did because of you know all the uh, horrible. Oh, I'm not saying every. I'm not saying every single. Uh, actress i'm just saying like it seems like uh we all know it's it's just exactly it, it, and it, it is systemic and 
you know, there, there are exceptions to that like Francis McDormand seems to just constantly work and be a badass every year after year. And yes. that's great. But, but let's be clear. She's one of the exceptions that proves the rule and there is inherent misogyny that comes to it. I'm not like, I don't want to get like political about it or anything, but it's very no, much no. still a dude's world. Right. They, they, they're able to find roles that don't fit like your standard female, like, you know, yeah. someone that's really meant to be like young and beautiful and, whatever but like you know Frances, she's not known for playing like like very attractive goddess roles like she just she just dark cool. man and dark man she was the leading lady it was the one time she did it and she didn't really like it yeah so she's like <laughs> i'm doing whatever i want and she does one, and, and, and the thing that i the thing that i like about nomadland um is that uh it's kind of a role she shattered written. that bucket no, it's kind of a role written for her throughout this, right? Like she's very involved. She was very engaged with the writing process. She was very engaged with the production process. Whereas, um, and and I think that she gets that a lot because obviously, you know, uh, Joel. I think she's married to Joel Cohen, right? Like, uh, I, I always get the two. Oh, real? Mixed up, for real? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's. That's why she was in all of their. I mean, that's not why she was in all of their films, but starting with. I, mean, I thought that's because she was good, but maybe that's just me. I'm built different. Well, I mean, she's always she, fantastic. Like, she's I, always amazing. But the reason yeah. that she started out in Blood Symbol, like their first I, I, movie. I, 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 yeah, having a laugh. We're having a laugh here, man. Yeah, which we which Blood Simple, by the way, almost qualified for the final round for movie noir extravaganza. And it's a good. It's a good movie. Joel Cohen is her. Joel Cohen is her. Uh, is her, is her husband they've been married since 1984 wow good on so but yeah but carrie moss i feel like had like she was like just the 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 favorite leading lady i mean obviously like a lot of people like the matrix you know that was a pretty big movie you guys heard of this you heard of this yeah. matrix paul yeah <laughs> i think so but she was in those she was she's in those films yeah but i mean and, and like what's and what's funny is if you know like whatever everyone loves them now but if they came out now like somebody like on a leftist podcast will call them soy and like everyone would be angry at them because people have to be angry they think it's popular because that's the only freedom and power they anyone has anymore is to like think that like maybe if somebody notices me talking trash then that's like some degree of justice or catharsis but again that's after party stuff Karen moss is awesome also, Guy Pierce is kind of known for doing uh, war films because uh, I believe he was in L.A. Confidential. Yeah, he's one of the main. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I just drew him again. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the first time we've actually had two episodes in a row where I had to draw somebody the same. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah, you, you, you can do worse. He's a uh, you know he's 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 rocking the tattoos. Wait a second. Here we go. Yep. There you go. Guy <laughs> has never been hotter either. There you go. Yeah, that's true. This is this is someone talking to Carrie Ann Moss about it though, and I kind of liked what she had to say. I know you've said that uh, the Matrix made your career, but uh, I was wondering what that movie meant to you creatively. Yeah. Looking back on yeah. it today. Honestly, I think that's my best work. Um, I'm pretty good at judging my own work. And I'm immensely <laughs> proud of that. And I remember shooting it. It was like eight days, I think I shot. Okay. And it was like this magical vortex that I entered into creatively at that particular moment in time. It was just ready, Guy, Pierce, and then Christopher Nolan. It's like the stars aligned. And I just felt like I stepped into that reality and lived in that, in that world for those eight days. And it, from 
it was effortless from action to cut, completely effortless. And I, I have never had that experience since then. Like where you, you kind of, like it just completely surprised me. Everything was so in the moment. And that's personally what I strive to do. And like, for instance, like in the Matrix, like that's, it's not that style. You know, it's a different, very different style. It's very, it's just much more, at least the first three, you know, like very, there's a particular stillness to that character. It's not really me at all. It's kind of, you know, but with Natalie, the character, it's just like freedom. Like I remember when I like spit into that thing, like it was just like, I don't know, I can't explain it. Or even that scene, you know, that scene was like freedom. Like there was no way to do that wrong because then she walks out and she's like, hey. right? Like so manipulative. And yet, I don't know, I loved it. I loved it. So much fun. Thanks for reminding me. I haven't seen her quite up that way. I forgot how much I loved it. It was just I registered an acting class the next semester just based on that. Yeah, I can, yeah. I remember when I read, when I read it, like when I read that scene, I was literally like wishing I was reading it alongside someone so I could say, oh my God, oh my God. And I said, so I have to do that movie because of that scene. I did that movie because of that scene. She's rad, man. She's, she's a, she's cool. And also, by the way, like Matrix was like her like eighth movie or something. Yeah. And, uh, but like, do you guys know doorways and this is more I, i'm pulling up all of the uh after party business but like <laughs> it was a pilot that she shot that george rr R. martin wrote they did not get picked up. It. no no it, it's oh. it's a it was a sci-fi series basically written uh george rr R. martin sci-fi series with uh, um yeah carrie Ann moss and like uh, other people but they, they made a graphic novel of it which i'm surprised andy may or may you want to appear Honestly, don't really. I'm not really that into George R. R. Martin. That's fine. I mean, I think I was talking. About I, I partied with him once, but that's an after party. Yeah, story. we're not. Have, have I told you guys the story before? The story of how I partied with George R. R. Martin. I don't know. I have this condition. <laughs> but I, I love. I love that Carrie Ann Moss loves like Memento and, and like. I and mean, the question look, got cut look, off. if you're yeah. if you're an actor and you and you saw that script, you'd be like, "Holy crap! I get to act. Cool." The, the question got cut off, by the way. It made it sound like the guy was asking about the Matrix. The guy was asking about Memento, and he was like, I was so inspired. But it was like kind of a weird, like he was like gushing to her a little bit. And I was like, I want to yeah. cut this down. And so I guess I, I didn't cut it. I cut it too close. <laughs> well, I think I, I just assumed it was for the movie that we're discussing because I'm a professional like that. But yes. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it like, I mean, look, her character's classic noir trope but she 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 lives it and embodies it and is it like like when you see like when you see her character uh god what's her character's name i can't, I can't remember her character's name right now um natalie natalie right yeah when you see natalie kind of be like you know like just she she starts it with the beer thing right with the spitting in the beer yeah and, and then like and, and you know she oh yeah you know it's, it's a you know it's, it's a it's a bet Okay, it's yeah, okay, cool. Whatever she says, and, and like you get to see her kind of like get like the idea in her head, and then when you see her turn her around to kind of like, oh, I can manipulate this guy to doing whatever I want, and like they get into like knockdown, like drag out argument, and then and 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 she just just ruthlessly turns it around on him, like using his uh, uh, anterograde amnesia against him, like just effortlessly. 
And like, I mean, whew, there's there's a scene noir, right, right before that. Uh, you know, well, not chronologically right before that, but there's a scene um, around that time, around that time where uh, Teddy is telling him in the car, like, "Oh, you can't trust this woman. She's going to just yeah. use you and manipulate you, and she knows all about this. And like, you know, you killed like pretty much. He's saying like, you got to get out of town. Like, you killed her boyfriend." Um, yeah that like her drug dealer boyfriend or whatever and you like, in that moment in that moment though like i i know watching it the first time at least like i was assuming that uh teddy was really john g the entire time right like i was assuming that that yeah. scene you, you you're led you, to believe that that's the case yeah yeah so so seeing it and then having him be like you need to get out of town you can't trust this woman it feels like he's kind of being pulled apart and then you know like a scene later is is when uh they get into that you know knockout drag out argument and you're like oh fuck like you can't trust any fucking person in this movie. I mean, you already assumed you couldn't, but like they hadn't yeah. really led you to believe it, it was like that until uh, later on in, in the movie, like the, the scene before it, uh, not the scene and, and not, I, and, not chronologically before it, but right because yeah. reverse chronologically is how it goes. But like, <laughs> but but that is absolutely. And you talked about this being like an after party topic of us, like you know, discussing like you know the noir tropes and like where we are, it, like amongst the genre and whatnot. But the idea of like you know trust no one, but then like memento is like literally. You cannot literally even trust yourself. Yeah. yeah. And and I feel like throughout this genre, we're like getting more and more uh like take it takes away, like as we go through this this washer, it kind of takes away people that you can trust, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, starting with double indemnity, at least there was like keys as a, a force for I guess moral good. This movie right. does not have a single force. There's for moral no good. there's no more force of moral good whatsoever. Maybe that tattoo artist, you know, we don't know about yeah, about we don't them. know. We don't know much about them. <laughs> she, she, she could be okay, but <laughs> Maybe outside of that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even nah, the it's... even the guy that rents him the room, right? He rents him a second room because it's like, oh, it's slow right now. Like, uh, let me, yeah, rent I, you I, a, I, yeah. I, I can get one over on this guy and get a little more uh, cashola in the in the <laughs> register, right? But even, Which, uh, even that yeah. guy is scamming him. Like, <laughs> it's always nice to see him in stuff too, because like uh, I didn't realize like I've seen him in anything until I saw Sons of Anarchy, and then like, yeah, Mark, it's like Mark Boone. Is that yeah, the guy's name? I right. Think so. He he's he these really he's in seven too. He's in yeah. uh, that, that guy's in a lot of like and like John Carpenter's vampire. The game. He's in the game. Yeah. I forgot about that, which it's, I love the game. The game. I lost the game. <laughs> the game I, I, good. I did that on purpose. Video. Yes. <laughs> I have in that Malik movie, the war it, one. So. Uh, um Thin Red Line. He's in that one. Yeah. He's a good that guy. I can't believe the guy who played the one perverted uh, choir teacher from Glee was also in this. Uh, Steven, what's his face? I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, I've never seen Glee, so I don't know. Uh... Oh, uh, Steven Tobolowsky? Yes. Oh, yeah, that guy's in, like, Groundhog's Day. He's yeah. in a lot of movies. Glee is what you pull from, and he's in Groundhog's Day? That's Neil Nose Ned, man. Dude, not even Hellboy? Like, come on. He He's also in Clueless. I feel like Clueless is where I... Isn't he uh, in Thelma and Louise? Like, he's in a bunch of shit. He was also in Great Balls of Fire. Goodness gracious, the Great Balls of Fire. He wasn't... I mean, yeah, he wasn't Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Yeah, another... another uh, when, when, they're, when they're telling his story, another that... that well, that woman, I guess... Uh, Harriet Sansom Harris, I feel like I've seen in a lot of stuff, too. Her, the, the, mm. the woman that plays his wife. Also, um, Thomas Lennon plays a doctor in this, and I'm like, that guy, that comedian, like, he's funny. That is a funny, he is a funny comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, like, this cast he's is rather that. small. <laughs> like, 
isn't he in uh that isn't he in hancock if i remember correctly he's uh, in he's in everything he's yeah he's in so much. yeah yeah but Han- hancock is that will smith uh superhero movie that came out in, yeah like, the 2000s which, which is like, terrible it's not great <laughs> not great <laughs> no i will give uh what's his name jason uh fuck what's his last name not Jason. My brain's saying for Jason Statham right now. Yeah, so, he isn't. He isn't Hancock. Um, Jason, it's definitely know. not Jason Statham. I guarantee. Look and see. What, was there like any other casting choices for these roles? Oh yeah, it's just, that's your signature bit that I often steal. Yes, let me see. <laughs> let me do it. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, oh wow. Okay, I'm, I'm reading ahead. I'll let you do the bit. Mm-hmm. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, you know, Carrie Ann Moss did two movies between The Matrix and this. Uh, and like, like, there's only a year apart between the uh, yeah, uh, we, which is amazing. Like, like you know, in two years, she did like four or five movies. Which, yeah, which and, is, and this was like movies. the prestige, like prestige drama, like one between the two. Whereas Matrix was very much, you know, I mean, look, everybody knows the Matrix to this day, and yeah. the Matrix is somehow the legend has grown on that. People are talking about it more and more from what I've We're heard. We're talking about more and more, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, she she did the crew in New Blood. Uh, after the Matrix came out, before this movie came out, I don't know what any of those things are. But Ooh, yeah. Mary McCormick was offered for the role of Natalie. Well, actually, she lobbied for the role of Natalie. Mary McCormick. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Huh. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, she lobbied for the role because Christopher decided to cast Moss as Natalie, saying she added an enormous amount to the role of Natalie that wasn't on the page. Yeah, I mean, she's she vibed it well, oh, so yeah. to speak. Also, too, this is like culturally and historically or sadly significantly to the uh, U.S. Library of Congress and was selected for preservation in 2017. Who uh, who else was anyone else considered for the Guy Pierce role or is he the, the only guy? Let's see. I know uh, Stephen Tobolowski, he was like he t- he likes tested for the role a few times. Stephen Toblerone. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Conan Neutron. Goof on me all you want. Oh, he oh also too. Guy Pierce had to lose a lot of weight for the oh he actually Brad Pitt. Oh really? <laughs> I, I think Brad Pitt could have done this role. Yeah. I, oh hell what yeah. Was he doing around this time? Yeah. Like 12 monkeys yeah. or something? Right? Yeah, 12 monkeys I mean, a couple like, years beforehand, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, Aaron Eckhart, Brad Pitt, Charlie Sheen, and Thomas Jane were considered for the role of Leonard before whoa, Guy whoa, whoa. Pierce got the part. He can't just roll back, like roll it. back. Aaron Eckhart, yes. interesting, different movie. Brad Pitt, different movie. I like Aaron Eckhart quite a bit. Um, yeah, Brad Pitt would have been the same movie. I mean, it would. Charlie yeah. Sheen. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> that would have been a totally different movie. Damn, not this condition. Gold Tiger's blood. <laughs> that would have Jane. There, you know that 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 would have hit well though when she's like when she's like you know you know how how you get uh, interior memory loss. Venereal disease. Yeah. I don't think he ever really had a wife. <laughs> this this was this was pre-Tiger's Blood Charlie Sheen to be clear. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, but like honestly, was... this is B-movie actor uh period Charlie Sheen. Cause like like yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean, in, I mean um... like uh he was in uh the arrival and the chase and yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. uh Carrie Moss suggested scene. Joe uh Pantaleano for like the role. Oh, they, really? were, That's they awesome. were in a movie. They were in a movie together yep. uh, right before this, in I think it was in Canada, and they came back from Canada to test for this movie. Yeah, they were um, funny. I know enough, from La Bamba. Um, 
She was in Due South before uh, uh, Keith uh, Rennie Cobb or however, whatever his order of name is. <laughs> See, KeithRennie.com? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> I just said. Oh, well, that makes everybody. Everybody doesn't know what you just said. So we're all on the same page. That's good. Yeah. Um, words that, came out of my mouth. Is and, that the whole and, list, though? Thomas um, Jane is interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nolan's first choice for the role of Leonard was, wait for it, Alec Baldwin. Hmm. Wow. I have this I have this condition, Lemon. <laughs> and, oh, ooh, Ashley Judd. Uh, Famke, uh, Famke okay. Janssen? Yeah, Angelique, yeah. And like Angelina Jolie were considered for the role of Natalie. Huh. I think Famka could do it. She could have done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, uh, could, have right. been a, this could have been a Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie uh, vehicle. History itself could have changed, yeah. Well, yeah. that would have been like, at that time, Angelina Jolie, what, Hackers probably been the bigger thing, biggest thing. Yes. Well, time, this is 2000, though. So this was pre-Tomb Raider and yeah, after Girl Tomb Raider, Raider, but after so. Hackers. Yeah, please. So she was up and coming. So, <laughs> God, imagine if they had actually been in that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie in that movie together. Like this was also when he was still with Jennifer Aniston. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. it's a whole weird alternate history. It's like the multiverse of madness over here. Yeah, this was my multiverse of madness. <laughs> <laughs> that's yes. That's what I'm gonna start saying when I'm in any confusing situation. It was really my multiverse of madness. He'll be like, "What the hell?" talking about yeah uh no, okay so thomas, thomas james would have been interesting yeah but the thing is though it's like he was just a character actor at that point really he wasn't a leading man exactly no um uh so it would have been interesting to see him as like you know his big breakout leading man which i think was punisher a couple years later oh yeah. dennis leary turned down the role of teddy oh it's dennis teddy. Mm. wow mm. <laughs> all right yeah, yeah I, I don't. I could see it. I could My see mom it. was like, "Christina, it's that guy you like." I'm like, "What?" I'm, she's like, it's, "Isn't that oh that Willem Dafoe guy?" I'm like, "No, that's Dennis Leary." <laughs> Dennis Leary? Yeah, those are wildly different dudes. <laughs> Dennis Leary could have uh, could have the note stuck between his teeth. There, there you go. <laughs> uh, the only one out of those that I was like mm, would be Charlie Sheen. Yeah, he's like, yeah, like, what the. Honestly, decent actor, but not the right dude for that role. Yeah. Well, because you instantly suspect him, right? Like one yeah. of the first roles that Charlie Sheen, I remember seeing him in is like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, you know, all the way back in the 80s, like Before he, already he, had had, he already had like big, like addict vibes kind of, Before? you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and his brother Emilio was already like people. Were, my mom was like, wait, Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez are, are brothers. How is that so? I'm like, because they're Spain. They're from Spain. Their their last names is actually Estevez. Yeah, yeah. The actual. I mean, and and since we're I guess talking about the Sheens, uh, Martin Sheen's brother, uh, Joe Estevez, frequently does all the voiceover stuff. You hear, you're like, is that Martin Sheen? No, it's his brother Joe Estevez, who sounds just <laughs> like him and looks just like him. Yeah, and also is in move such movies as I Got the Hookup. Yep. True facts data. That whole family. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's that's a lot I about would those. Say talented family, but I don't think that's the term. I mean, I mean last family, Martin, Martin's good. Martin, Martin, Martin good. Sheen is good. Yeah, Martin Sheen's good. Charlie I, I Sheen has his moments. I think Emilio has his moments. Emilio yeah. also has uh, become like a director now. So so like yeah, you know, he he's, got, he's got a lot more. You know, uh, um, 
you know, he's accepted the Mighty Ducks legacy. He finally like was like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. Okay, I'm 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 known as the coach from the Mighty Ducks. Let's go. Honestly, <laughs> and his performance in uh, Young Guns was fantastic. I, I, I know, love his know. laugh. His laugh is fantastic. You know, go go back yeah, and watch that's Young the Guns. The one thing he's known for is his laugh. <laughs> well, I mean, are we just gonna dance past Breakfast Club? I mean, Breakfast Club was great. Yeah. Which uh, yeah. which, which I always we, love. Has that ever been that, done uh, for movie night? How about how about hello, Alice Cox? Repo Man? Have you heard of it? Have you heard of this film, Repo yeah, Man? Yeah, yeah. Saint Elmo's Fire. <laughs> no, we don't talk about that one. That's actually had, one of the go back and watch that films. episode that we talked yeah. about, uh, Repo Man. Yeah, I'm not on it. Didn't exist, but yeah, yeah, you should listen to it. Uh, <laughs> we talked before episode. Like it was, it was really early. It was real on. early on. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I did, actually, the joke about that is I did listen to it, but I'm not gonna. I, I can't. I can't let the bit go for a minute. You know, I yeah. Gotta commit to it. <laughs> Uh, uh, but anyway, all of those would be different movies. Brad Pitt instead of Guy Pearce is probably the closest, I would say. Yeah, I'd say that that would be pretty much the same movie. Like I, you know, I yeah. can see it at that I, time. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Now, not where so much, Brad Pitt was going in his career, so uh, Angelina Jolie, less so. I like her, and 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 I think she's actually underrated as an actress. But I feel bad that her father's John Voight. Yeah, well, you got to right. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. That would be that would be like the weirdest one. I think I think of. of, of it would be a bit too 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 like I don't know how to put it, but like too much for the role. Carrie Ann Moss is perfect in this. Is that yes. it's a great casting and Joey Pants is, is although Dennis Leary that role would be hilarious too. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, you, you instantly like yo. I think I think I think Dennis Leary stole this Jaguar. <laughs> he seems kind of sus i mean you know <laughs> um do you want to do letterbox one-liners uh of course i would love to yes uh so letterbox course social media site for film where all the film lovers get to talk at with and to each other about the movies they love the movies they didn't love the movies they were baffled by the movies they were weirdly horny at or two and of course all this is best expressed in the classic one-liner format everyone working on their tight five on the internet as its best form can be and these are the ones pulled for memento by chris nolan take it away dog i am just as confused as leonard <laughs> up dog <laughs> by the way bonus points for d-a-w-g by the way what do you what do you what do you think of uh this i i like this uh it's good this, this format, is good this right? is, like, he's holding the, the polo right yeah it's good <laughs> no no that's perfect i'm glad i pulled him as more boxy that worked out well he has he has his uh he has his his letterbox one-liners written on the yeah, he, right? he's, he's like, like... <laughs> like apparently i'm all over this website yeah <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro! You got the whole squad reverse chronologizing. <laughs> I, I I said something like that on 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 mine. I said uh I said time's still moving backwards for me or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. <laughs> yeah it's, it's 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 real. Primer wish it was this movie. Guy Pierce be looking just like a typical school desk with all those words tattooed on his body. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. <cool. laughs> He's got a lot of slurs written on him. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't carve that now. <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks to uh, the family guy where we're like, Rob Schneider is the stapler. You know, um, <laughs> Rob Schneider is the stapler. Man gaslights himself. Perfect. 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, which, that's, uh, which, by the way, Gaslight as a term comes from a noir uh, film. It does. From, yeah. I, by the way, f- go find Alyssa and Letterboxd and go like this review that, that she did because that's that's yes. badass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She just watched it, too. She just watched it, yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, guys, the day we review Aquaman, you better do my Aquaman. I don't think I'm we're ever going to do Aquaman on this show. <laughs> that's more for these are bad movies. <laughs> exactly. Every time a scene ended, I'd already forgotten how it began. I'm just like him for real. <laughs> Yo, and they, they they hit that um when when they're having Sammy uh watch the commercials or whatever when he sent that story and he's like he hated yeah. to watch TV shows because he always forgot how they started. It's like yeah. damn, these are like these are like real real people problems, you know? Like, <laughs> it's true, it's true. Just like him for real. Wait till this guy finds out about the voice memos app. <laughs> <laughs> different movie entirely like in the, well like, you couldn't make this today no one's carrying around polaroids anymore you know yeah it, it's like ferris bueller's day off is a different like you could it would it's not it's not a movie anymore it's, it's like a, it's like a two minute short film right but like same thing with memento <laughs> instead of instead of having uh all of that information tattooed on me just as his phone passcode <laughs> That sucks so bad. <laughs> that sucks so bad. <laughs> Fuck that. That sucks so bad. But yes, six seven eight one. <laughs> I guess. I guess that's the code to this phone. <laughs> God damn. That is. That is not only the worst. It's also true. But yeah. Yeah. You think Leonard would be good at photography, but not really. Yeah, he sucks at photography. <laughs> you know, it's hard with those things, man. He's uh, he's not, he's not um, what's the word that he uses throughout it? He's like uh, he's not conditioning himself. You know, he just gets uh, he gets worse and worse at photography. Oh, <laughs> his one of Joey Pants is pretty good. Yeah, but that's because he's like, hey, do it over here. That's start. Good yeah, he, he directs him and he shows him where to go. And yeah, I also I like the one where he's covered in blood and he's just pointing at his chest, like. <laughs> yeah, he's all and he's all stoked. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Definitely not something that would show up on the news. Me online. I absolutely love the movie. Wow, what an experience. Come on, you guys. It's not that complex and hard to understand. This is the easiest puzzle ever. Me in real life. Searching for explanation on YouTube, Google, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. TikTok. TikTok is the one that got me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think I think Leonard would love TikToks because he could at least oh, remember how they started. Leonard Absolutely. would be the TikTok king. He can save them to his favorites, and they'll never go away. Yeah, and then with his phone, with his phone passcode, they his phone passcode tattooed on him. They can just watch the same video over and over. <laughs> he's constantly entertained by it. He doesn't have time to do the detective stuff because he's so entertained by TikTok. <laughs> I can't remember why this movie is so great, but I left a note to myself telling me not to trust people who didn't like it. And the five stars absolutely killed it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Listen, if Teddy didn't have the dumb little mustache, I think he would have been trusted a lot more. Yeah, they they they, they were smart giving him the fucking mustache. Like, he looks sus as hell. Yeah. Yeah, he's, 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 he's like this guy. Also, could Dennis Leary pull off the mustache? Ooh. Not that kind of mustache. Yeah, you'd have to have a, a different, I think, fuller mustache. Like you'll have to watch Memento like the Multiverse not, of like Madness. Not like to John out. Depp and Mordecai mustache, like <laughs> yeah. 
that, 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 that'll be for like the on Broadway version of Memento. Anyway, those are the letterbox review one liners for Memento. Uh, please follow the show. Move next extravaganza on letterbox, which is the host over here. Not Spider-Man uh, Forrest. I got to watch where it moves the <laughs> finger uh, over there. I, of course, am Kona Neutron. You can follow me as well. Probably the most active of all of us combined. Uh, Jandrew World, though, is giving me a run for my money, uh, reviewing and watching all of the films that you either didn't want to watch or maybe you thought about watching, but he's he's right there and he's deep in the middle of it. Yeah. And, of course, I'm Christina, who uh, is going to be doing – what was the thing you were going to do? You were going to do only Johnny Depp movies or something? Yes. Like, <laughs> all Johnny, That's all Johnny Depp movies with letterbox one-liners. So the day comes when we ever talk about a Johnny Depp film. Actually, I want to talk oh, about Black Mass nice? during the after party. Oh, okay. All right. A movie, a movie that I wanted to talk about um, soon at some point is uh, Ed Wood. Completely forgot yes. that movie. I would love to do that. Let's yeah, do that'd, it. That'd be fun. We should do like a Tim Burton month just because. <laughs> as long as there's a cutoff. Yeah, we're not. We're, we're doing. <laughs> yeah, he had a Best Buy day. <laughs> That's when things went down. No, like Dark big Shadows. Fish. We are not talking about Dark Shadows. Yes. Big Fish was great, Andy. I agree. But like that, that's. I, I can't remember if that was before or after uh, um, Sweeney Todd, but Big Fish. Oh, that was before. That was film. before. That was before. Okay. Yeah. Andy, take it away. Yeah. Hey, if you're watching us right now on Twitch, if you can, subscribe. Uh, that helps us out. If you happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. And hey, you know, good. Good on you. I like free stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that really does help us out. That Seriously. Um, uh, if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, hit the bell icon. And, um, if you can, uh, you know, why wouldn't you watch this uh, video to the end? So, uh, other film fans can find it. Um, you have a good reason to do that because you have a fucking great Conan Neutron song that slaps coming out at the end. So, you know, there's no excuses there. Hire me to score your film. Thank you. <laughs> um, if you, if you want to help us out even more, we have a Patreon. And patrons can always have access to the after party like we're going to have in a few minutes. Now, if yeah. you're not a patron, you can party for free. You thought it was loose before. Just you wait. <laughs> yeah, it gets even better. Yes. <laughs> you can party for free now. But if you're if you're a fan of chaos, you got it. I wanted to hear Andy do this. I wanted to hear Andy no, 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 do go, this because go, go, go. he yeah. he fucked it up last time. And I wanted him to redeem himself. Yes, it still says after party forever on my list. <laughs> um, but yes, if you, where is that? After party forever. After party forever. Okay, if you are watching, yeah. If if you're not paying for it, you can get it for, uh, for free right now. But what a, what a patient you can man! Always have access to it, uh, and the Patreon, which is which is great. Um, and we're going to have more features coming soon on our Patreon. Um, After party forever, yeah, the patrons marches. <laughs> Now, if, if you got like lots of money and you still want to keep supporting that. us, Up Christina <laughs> has a uh, Twitch channel that you should be checking out. Where, it's good. Uh, yeah, you covered, like you've been covering the uh, the Johnny Depp trial, right? Yes, justice for Johnny Depp. Amber Heard is a liar. <laughs> 
And and you also have a, a Patreon as well, if I remember correctly. Yes, I do. And I'm going to be doing a panel this weekend for the patrons where I, we discuss Amber Heard's testimony and cross-examination. So great reason uh, to sign up. All-female all panel, too. So people great. are surprised. Yes. <laughs> so, so it'll be very feminist when you talk about her shitting the bed. Yes. 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 <laughs> and, uh, yep. you know, make sure you check out Conan's Protonic Reversal. Um, who, who'd you have on this week? Steven DePace of Flipper. And uh, I dare say it was pretty damn good. This may be the most comprehensive uh, Flipper show ever. Um, you know, those guys are kind of shrouded in mystery, but, you know, incredibly influential. And uh, I, th I thought, it, you know, people seem to get a lot out of it. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a good episode. It's a good episode of my show, Proton Conversal. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. And while you're at <laughs> I it, check out, myself. His, <laughs> check out his album, uh, Dangerous Nomenclature, which is his uh, most yes. recent album. Um, you have music videos coming out soon. So, you know, keep. Yes. Yes. Allegedly. Yes. Allegedly, yes. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would love for those videos to be out because people seem to like videos. Um, yes. Yeah. That, that one of one of them is, is we're still filming. But yeah, uh, all that's coming. Um, Caterwall, too. Caterwall. Oh, yes. Yes. Caterwall, which is not on my list. I need to fix that. It, uh, it doesn't have to be on your list after this next weekend because it'll be right. over for next year. But uh, yeah, 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 I, yeah, I have so. to have it for tomorrow or Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. For all, for all the Minneapolis uh, or uh, you know Midwest travel non-averse people, it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be uh, you know if I dare say so, it, it's a festival that I would want to go to. Yeah, that, that's what I would say. And anyway. also support him on Patreon too if you can. Yes, yes. It's only like a dollar a month if I remember correctly. I like money. Yeah, if and you get advance access, so that and there's 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 no extras at all you just get the episode sooner but uh you know the idea is it's 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 the criterion bernie thing right like we uh <laughs> the, we get like a lots of donors with one dollar just one book which is one book <laughs> you go Not on like this trail tonic reversal patreon you get one dollar you get access to everything i think i think that that's what criterion should do criterion should have one dollar one dollar a month and you get access to all the films or you get access <laughs> to one film a dozen times. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> that, that'd be like they have like a different level that's just like, well, you can only watch one film and you gotta pick, pick one, it. And people... then you better fucking like that film. <laughs> yeah, so people yeah. can have analysis paralysis because there's like a, you know thousands of films to pick from and they're like, oh. every dollar is precious. <laughs> exactly. In this in this economy. In this economy. By the way, I the dumb little mustache, uh Patreon or whatever, <laughs> no, what like letterbox thing you did? I, I kept thinking about uh, Jesus Christ, you did it! You got a dumb little mustache. No, I did not. But so what? <laughs> I don't know why that stuck in my head, but it did. Memes, man. Meme, meme mento. <laughs> yes, that's how it's spelled, people. Did you get through everything, Andy? That was a lot. Yeah, the only other thing would be guests, but we don't have a guest, so fuck Australia. That's my plug for our guest. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> wow. He's turning Coming Australia up. upside down. Okay, <laughs> Andy. Uh, someone's going through their Scarlet Witch arc. <laughs> hey, that's after party well stuff. Done. No, no, no Marvel in the main show. <laughs> And uh, Big Bear Fest, there's going to be some stuff we're doing, right? Are we talking about that yet? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're we're still uh, uh, figuring out when we're going to really uh, nail down the details. So go follow them on on the the things that they're on. There, there's uh, yeah, because I know they're on Facebook and uh, 
Uh, I'm sure they're on Twitter. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I, I sorry, I killed that know, bit. It was going great. I killed it. I I totally need it to was answer. me. Yeah. No, I'm I'm just looking looking at my uh, my list here. Right Neutron, now. how could I need you? to add that? <laughs> and it'll have flow. Oh, Elon, you you ain't looking so good right now. What are you talking about? Elon <laughs> Musk, man. After party yes. stuff. Yeah, that's after party stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I got to tweet for the after party. Final after party. But uh, yeah, Christina started with you. Christina started with you. Forever. The patrons marches on. After parties. Um, but yeah, Christina, I want to hear your final thoughts. Um, I'm gonna guess they have something to do with Brooklyn Nine Nine, but you know. <laughs> I mean, it, that's actually why I watched the film was because of that episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine. You, you didn't watch it because you're on this show and you want like, oh, you mean like originally. I like I want I rewatched it for the oh, show, awesome. but I I mean I really do love like this film. I mean like you know it's you know Christopher Nolan being Christopher Nolan doing his thing. You know, yeah. uh, as someone who's watched Inception, I'm like, hey, I've seen this before. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think you know, well casted, a uh, great plot. Uh, as a psycho, as a former psych major, I was like fascinated by this because um, I actually think we watched this in psychology class, I believe. I mean, it because it would be like because you know we studied we studied the you know parts of the brain and memory and and, and memory conditions. So I'm thinking to myself, I think we did watch this back in high school. You're lucky, because because in my psych class we watched Dora the Explorer. We watched Benny and June. We watched Fifty First Dates. We watched uh, Gattaca. Are you guys are you guys sure you were just hanging out and watching movies together? With this is an actual class. I mean that sounds great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it was. Oh, I love my psych uh, professor, uh, psychology teacher. He was great. This was high school too. All right. Psychology, you gotta know what you're. And we watched Inception as well. High school psychology, you gotta know what your crush is thinking. And if you, you know, yeah. But yeah, those are my final thoughts. True, you gotta know how to you gotta know how to bully people out of the lunch, the lunch table. <laughs> Learn it early. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Conan, let's hear him. Sure. So uh, yeah, I mean, this fits slot. This slots nicely in the noir universe. Like I like I said earlier with the point about Rashomon and the unreliable narrator, the thing that this is unique with is that it makes the, the, the primary character, Leonard himself, is the unreliable narrator. And that's what is most fascinating to me. Also, it's just a really great film. I mean, it's uh, to this day, I don't think no one has outdone it. I mean, The Dark Knight is a very different kind of film. I like all the, those Batman movies, but like from a just top to bottom, like best in show category, it's Memento. For sure, a hundred percent, and I like that that it's um it doesn't spoon feed anything, and like like I said earlier too that I love movies that kind of challenge the audience to step it up, and you know maybe that's just me and my personality, but this one definitely does. Great performances by everyone. Carrie Ann Moss is great. Joey Pants is awesome. You know, like it's it's an ensemble piece, but like the fact that like everyone does this reverse chronological stuff now, and this one, it is literally art. It's an art, people. Like, and that's what makes it badass like this and this movie has repeat watchability people are always gonna be baffled by it have you know wtf sort of experiences and uh still slaps gotta say yeah and it, def it definitely aged really well uh 
Like, I, I, this feels as, as if, like, you know, you would. Like, it could have come out last whole... year, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it did. See, I've got this condition. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I agree with those final thoughts. Um, Andy? I appreciate that you agree about them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to. Um, I can't remember anybody else's final thoughts, so I'm just going <laughs> to wing it here. <laughs> um, no, uh, you know, uh, I. I I, I'm not the biggest Christopher Nolan fan because I find his fans kind of insufferable. Like, like oh, like like Snyder fans. Um, in a different <laughs> way. In a different way. Uh, yeah. The the thing is, uh, like like I don't think um, Christopher Nolan makes great films, and, and I and I don't want to sound like yeah. I, I'm pissing on Christopher Nolan, like I did Australia. Um, <laughs> no, Australia, you definitely pissed on. That was yes, objective. yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm you know fully. That's on my shoulders. Um, I love you, Renee. <laughs> Yes. Uh, but but um, the, the thing is, is like, I feel like Christopher Nolan is what like stupid people think is uh, you like brilliant filmmaking. And like it is just making really good films. It's all it is, is, is you know, uh, for, and I'm saying talk about his entire filmography. This movie, however, is his best film and it is head and shoulders above the rest. I love Insomnia. I enjoyed Inception. Uh, the, the superhero movies, I always kind of fit in a different genre because like you know, there's yeah, 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 exactly. You know, yeah. uh, it, it's it's hard to kind of compare it with other stuff, but like what he brings to it is interesting. Um, that that other filmmakers in the genre doesn't. So so you know, I appreciate that. Um, and, and uh, I I think you know, uh, but right here, you know, Memento, uh, hands down, truly, like like I said, just like Christopher Nolan's best film, and I don't know if he's ever going to top this either. All right. Yeah, well, we are in in about uh, probably five or ten minutes. We're going to be going to the after party. Um, after party forever. After party forever. I'll post the. Uh, I'll post the. Uh, you know, on all the social media places, I'll post the link to it. It'll be on the movie night extravaganza uh, YouTube and I think on the Twitch. But I don't. I don't remember necessarily if I put them on both because. I do want to usually make them unlisted. So, and you have this condition so. and I have this condition. Yes. Um, my final thoughts for this are, you know, remember Sammy Jankis. Mm -hmm.